What happens when your worst fear becomes your reality? Hi, I'm Brent Cassidy. Welcome to the Nightmare Success In and Out podcast, where we explore how to overcome your fears and nightmares and set yourself free. We're going to be exploring this topic with guys that was in Leavenworth with and others who survived their own nightmare. These stories can be inspiring, sometimes sad. There's some humor, but hopefully you can come away with a nugget of something that'll help you knock down some of the prisons you built up in your own mind. All right, Nightmare Success listeners, we're back. And I have got some good stuff today. I know you guys come here for the good stuff. What happens when your worst fear becomes your reality? How do you adapt, survive, overcome, set yourself free? Well, I have Ronnie Langford with me today. And uh, man, what a story. I've been reading up on him, and then he was just telling me a little bit more about it. He's also, this man can sing. <laughs> well, this, this man can sing. He's He's got uh, the Link Boys, and he does his stuff with uh, Danny Mitchell. They go by different names on this, but I'm going to try to play some music. Uh, I've done this before, so I could screw it up, but I think we can make it work. <laughs> I got faith in you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I, I actually think Ronnie knows how to work this board probably a hell of a lot better than I do. So, <laughs> so we'll figure it out. But before we get into all this, I want to make uh, re- uh, recognize our sponsor. Uh, the show is Auto Plaza Direct. And, you know, it's like, Ronnie, who likes to go spend a couple of weeks walking the, the, the lots of a car lot, you know, looking for a car? Nobody likes to do that. And then you got to spend like four or five hours in the dealership to try to buy the car. It's kind of like a trip to the dentist. Oh, nice. Nobody likes that, no. right? No. Well, this is better. This is a better way. Pain takes all the hassle and, and the getting the car, the pain away, Auto Plaza Direct. They're your personal car concierge. Do uh, you just tell them the car you want, what you can pay, and they'll go out and find that car for you. They'll negotiate your best price, and they deliver that car to you in any place that you are. They also offer you warranties and financing. It's full service. Go to autoplazadirect.com to get started with your personal car concierge. The new hassle-free way, the car buying experience you deserve, Auto Plaza Direct. Tell them that Brent from Nightmare Success sent you. Okay, let's jump into this. Ronnie, welcome. Hello. It's it's nice to be on the uh, podcast. Well, I Thanks appreciate for the invite. It. And we just we just figured out that we've got some connections here. First of all, Shane mm-hmm. Spurgeon uh, gave me your name, and he had an incredible uh, podcast. And it's got. I mean, he still gets lessons. That's and awesome. then we just connected that uh, you were with Jim Brock. Yep. Same time. Same time. Yeah. Isn't that weird. Yep. We were actually going to the uh, uh, same same college in there. Washington University came in and and oh. held actual college classes on our campus. That's something. It's it, crazy. I, and the one thing I didn't do, I was while well, I was introducing. I thought it was interesting how you look on their uh, website on Link Boys, and it mm-hmm. says, uh, "I used to be a raging drug addict, <laughs> an alcoholic, womanizer." I'm just catching some of these here. Yeah. A high school dropout. I used to be homeless in psych wards, rehabs, jails, and prison, but God butted into my life mm-hmm. right smack in the middle of my prison cell. Amen. Come on. Wow. Yep. Wow. Okay. So, Ronnie, let's let's jump into this here because <laughs> you have a fascinating story and what you're doing now and how you're doing it. Um, you just told me you're getting ready to go back to uh, prison to talk Pacific, the same prison I left from, um, a year before my eligibility and yeah. on this Friday, you know, That's God works in mysterious ways. And you could also perform there too, right? And I, and I'm going to, yep. Wow. I'm excited. 
Well, let's walk back a little ways. Let's get everybody to meet you here. Where's Where's Ronnie as a little kid growing up? What do you siblings, mom, yeah, dad? Cool. What's life like? Yep. So I did have. Uh, I I was raised by my mom and my dad, paternal both. Yep. Um, I had a older sister by three years. And we were born in Granite City, Illinois, so it's not really a very... Right across the river. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, a lot of people don't even, you know, haven't even heard of it. But um, but yeah, yeah, so we were, I was born in Granite, uh, lived in a pretty decent house uh, on a street called Wanda. Wanda. Does that sound enticing? It's called Wanda, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Um, pretty normal childhood. I know my dad worked a lot, so um, he wasn't around, uh, you know, for a good majority of my life. I mean, he was there, but he was like, what kind of work did he do? He was pretty fascinating. Actually. Uh, my dad was very ambitious. Um, super fun. Like he was basically like me, but an older version. So I'm very animated. I'm very excitable. Uh He's using his hands a lot. Yeah. Yeah. For those we're not doing YouTube today. I wish you could because I'm doing (laughs) sign language right now. I'm making it up as I go. Sadly enough, we're not on YouTube today because we're in person, but yes, he's very animated. If you hear the microphone getting (laughs) whacked, that's just my left hand. You might just start rapping right here. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so my dad is a super awesome guy. Um, but he was just very focused on work and, you know, providing for us and stuff. So he did some door to door sales, uh, I would say when I was super, super young. And then he ended up getting a job at a collection agency. Yeah. So he quickly became the guy that nobody wanted to talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did that for years, decades even, and he was really, really good. He made a pretty big name for himself in the industry. Um, Later, he ended up getting uh, invited to a uh, company that had, you know, maybe ten percent uh, of the of the employees that his current company at the time had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they offered him par- partial ownership. So this was a guy that you know was born in Granite City, you know, ex-military. He was in the Marines. He didn't fight in any wars, but he was really good with numbers. Yeah. Very driven. Very ambitious. And, uh, but man, you didn't hit, see him a lot. I didn't see him a lot, you know. I what know, about your mom? Did she stay there? Oh, long? man, mom was superwoman. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and not to say that my dad wasn't phenomenal and amazing because he still was. Yeah. He was just very, very focused on work and stuff. Um, but yeah, mom was Wonder Woman. You know, I could almost get choked up just, just thinking about her because, uh, for the majority of, of my childhood, she, uh, was stay at home. Um, and she was very, very involved with mm. us kids. So, Picture the just super superwoman, mm-hmm. basically. That's who she was. She's cooking for us, there for us, hung out with us. If she was ever at a family event, she was always around the kids. Yeah. Like, she just connected real well with them, and she was amazing. So, yeah, I had a pretty pretty normal um, childhood. Uh, I did have uh, a couple little hiccups in my, in my growing up. I moved at the age of seven um, from Granite City to Parkway District. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I went from uh, never wearing a T-shirt and walking barefoot everywhere. I could literally walk over broken glass. My feet were so calloused to preppy people. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and Parkway. just like, yeah, inner city. For those that down in the Cayman Islands listening, the Parkway School District is kind of like you got Rockwood and St. Louis and Parkway. That's kind of like the... the Bougie, yeah. almost. Yeah, yep. there you I go. mean, it ain't Ledoux, but it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah right. it was definitely a culture shock. I remember because, like I said, Granite City is just, you know, uh, it's just not very recognizable. It's just a smaller town, or at least it was back back then, you know. And uh, so I came, I remember my first day I wore my Power Rangers shirt. Nice. In Granite City, Power Rangers were the coolest thing right, in the world. Right, In Parkway, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> and I quickly became that awkward kid. You were that guy. Wearing a dumb shirt, <laughs> Yeah. I was, like, so happy about it because I was like, man, everybody's going to love it. It's going to be yeah. great. You know, my mom bought Fit it for right me. In. 
dude, I had the worst and they made fun of me so bad. When I came back home, I was mad at my mom. I'm like, how could you even let me buy this thing? And it was her fault, of, yeah, course, of course, right? Yeah, right. so. You couldn't have made that mistake. No, but uh, so I, it was just weird, you know, I guess, you know. So you didn't feel like you fit in. I didn't way. feel like I fit in, no. So yeah. did you have siblings that was part of this whole transaction? Yeah, so I had, on? like I said, I had an older sister. It would have been cool to have a brother, you yeah. know what I mean? But I didn't. I had an older sister, and she was, quote, unquote, smoking hot. So yeah. I was kind of that guy, you yeah. know. Oh, I know your sister. Yeah, oh, she's, she's super hot. hot. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, so I had that whole, mm-hmm. you know, kind of complex growing up. I um, had a weird thing with my mom. Well, my mom hot. too. My mom was hot so too. So she's, I, yeah. Like I, I saw some guys down, uh, like when I get back with them, they're like in their fifties now. Hey, yeah. how's your mom doing? <laughs> I know, it's dude. like, no, my mom's 70 something. What's wrong with you? Look, I literally <laughs> went through the same thing. There was like two things. Like I was never really a very combative person. Like I have the things that'll push it me over the It was very weird edge. though, right? Yeah. But when it came to mom and sis, there was just something in you that you just didn't really like hearing that, no, you know? No, it's very awkward. Yeah. So like uh, the cool thing is, is only until like these recent couple of years, you know, maybe the past three, have I been able to process people when they say things like yeah. that? And now it, I, it's not even offensive. I'm like, well, she's her own person. Right. She's very beautiful. Both yeah. my sister and my mom are. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. You know, I mean, you that's between, that. yeah. And I realize that it's between them. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? You it has to nothing to do with me. Yeah. <laughs> But for, for whatever reason, I just took it personal. I was yeah. like, I feel like I got to fight this yeah, guy. Yeah, you, you're saying yeah. something that makes me feel really weird. Yeah, yeah. so um, so then to uh, add a little bit more of an interesting dynamic, uh, about seven years after that, uh, which was after my freshman year at Parkway, mm-hmm. I ended up moving again, and this time I went from Parkway to Fort Zumwalt. Okay. Which was another cult- west. which was another culture shock because yeah. I went from like city kids, um, preppy kids. We had a lot of we busted in a lot of inner city kids mm-hmm. as well too. So there was white, black. I mean, it was very, very dynamic. Yep. You know, diverse uh, the culture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I was friends with white, black, uh, Hispanic, whatever. You know, we had everything at, at our school there. Um, when I moved to Fort Zuma, the, there was like maybe a couple black people, mm-hmm. and other than that, it was you know predominantly white right. and country you know yeah. i mean I, when i when we moved to the house because we were living in a villa until the house got finished the house got finished we moved there and my neighbors i remember the first time i met them they were in a golf cart and uh they were all in camo <laughs> spitting chewing tobacco with shotguns okay and they took me to the slaughterhouse where they had chickens <laughs> oh, and stuff just like like guts and intestines everywhere oh, i don't know I'm like, about where that. the heck did i just go yeah you know, so it was super like awkward at first, but mm-hmm. then like the more like it's just like anything. I just wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't sensitive to it or whatever. Or yeah. well, however it didn't you want to wear natural. that. Didn't feel natural. Yeah. yeah, but after time, it just kind of became natural and it became kind of cool. So, so yeah. So, um, did you actually drop out? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, so I mean, because that was a weird thing. I was when I read that about uh-huh. your in your bio i thought well it sounds like everything was kind of normal yeah. and then it wasn't oh yeah so uh so i'm giving you kind of like the general like where i was moving um but things started getting sticky before i moved from parkway okay and in my middle school years uh i was a skateboarder so yeah. i guess you just kind of flocked to some rebellious people not that all skateboarders yeah. are but you know yeah, uh, we were kind so. of the cool kids, though. I mean, you could skateboard. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was pretty cool. We weren't the jocks or anything yeah. like that, but you know, we no had our own little. You played. You did skateboarding. I did uh, roller hockey because um, yeah. I wasn't that good at ice skating, and uh, I did a little bit of basketball. Stopped, and then I played one year of football. Okay. So, 
Yeah, but but hockey was pretty much the predominant thing, yeah. and then obviously skateboarding trumped everything. So, right. So yeah. that would that became your crowd basically. Yeah, that became crowd. my crowd. Yep. Yeah. So about uh, midpoint in my seventh grade is when some of the guys and I was friends with jocks or just whoever you know in Parkway. I was friends with everybody, and part of that was probably because like moving from Granite to Parkway put me in this mode of like, oh, I just want people to like me. I want to fit in. So mm-hmm. like I quickly. Just try to be sense. relatable to everybody, you know, and and I was to a certain extent. Um, so anyway, uh, some of the the jocks, as I would refer to them at the time, mm-hmm. um, they had older brothers and they had you know getting exposed to cigarettes and weed and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I started dabbling as well, you know, smoking cigarettes and doing the clone thing, the mouthwash thing, trying yeah. to hide it from the parents and stuff, and uh, started smoking weed. And it seemed like it just went really fast from there because. Like, we went from just, like, smoking a cig, smoking some weed, to, like, okay, now we're skipping school. Mm. In eighth grade, I think it might have been a little bit of seventh grade, but definitely in eighth grade, we started skipping school to, like, rob people's houses. Yeah. Which was crazy. Like You're only, like, 13, 14 years 13, old. 13, 14 years old, you know. Had a good life, too, you know, so it's like it didn't really make sense. More Again, the adrenaline and and being part of the gang. Yeah, I guess yeah. so, you know. It's just, uh, it was just strange. Um, So I did, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was I going to say? Did you get caught? Yeah, 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 yeah we got caught. So that was bad. I didn't ca- get caught stealing until, like, later, later. Um, but, yeah, and that was in my, like, Fort Zumalt years or whatever when I started getting, you yeah. know, kind of caught for that. But I was getting caught getting high, drinking, mm-hmm. and smoking and, and, and stuff. And then what did, did that re- revolve back to your mom and dad? Did they know oh about it? Oh, my gosh, dude. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what, like uh, – my dad, you know, was absent, you know, I, I don't want to say he was absent. He, just you know, was he was on, busy. he was on business a lot. Yeah. When he came home, it was late. The poor guy worked yeah. late. So he got home maybe seven thirty, eight o'clock. He eats his dinner. He's got 10 minutes on the TV and he falls asleep. Then he's got to deal with this stuff. Yeah. And then he's <laughs> got to deal with this stuff. Right. So like not going on pops. Um, but you know, he just, you know, wasn't really, um, there. So I think I was trying to fill that gap. I wanted the attaboys. I wanted yeah. to be accepted, you know, yeah. and approved and, so, so yeah, I started hanging with the wrong crowd. And then in my freshman year, uh, we started smoking. We were smoking like before school, during school, we'd skip and go to the woods. Mm-hmm. It was just silly. And then in school, which we ended up getting caught, I had to go to disciplinary school mm-hmm. for a couple months or whatever. And, uh, then after that year, uh, I ended up moving to Fort Zumwalt and it got way worse because <laughs> I gravitated to the same people, um, because they accept you first, it sure. seems like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, they became part of your family. Part right? of my family, yeah. and I was like, this is familiar and stuff like that. So I started, you know, hanging with them, and, you know, there were, everything was available then. Like, yeah. there were so many different drugs, narcotics, you know, alcohol, weed, everything, and uh, started experimenting with them and just went super hard, super fast, started overdosing. Um, like, from 10th grade to midpoint junior year, like I had been in a couple different hospitals, rehabs, uh, homeless. Um, let me think here. It, my, my parents and my administrator, I would get in so much trouble in school mm-hmm. that like my parents and my administrator were like, look, no matter how much we ground this kid and try to pull him away from his friends, if he goes back to school, he's still around him. Like it's sure. Like in this weird case, they're like, I think it's better that he's not even here. Like maybe he can go get his GED, yeah. finish his education. Let's get him away from these people. Right. So like it was encouraging. Of course, I wanted to quit. Sure. Well, the funny thing is, is uh, at that time, my dad and my uncle Mark, they're all hot Harley riders, diehard Americans. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they like classic cars and stuff like that. Um, Casey and stuff. That's just you know who they mm-hmm. were. Um, 
and they opened a bike shop called Old School Choppers. So if anybody was out in the St. Charles area and stuff, you know, during the years of like 03 to 05 to like maybe even, yeah, probably like 02 to 05, you would be familiar with Old School Choppers. If you rode, you mm -hmm. would, because everybody stopped in our shop. Well, I went from doing high school and that to going to GED classes and working full-time at a bike shop. And things got crazy again. I bet. You know, so uh, I went from hanging with, you know, my friends or whatever to hanging with my uncles, which was super awesome. My They're grandpa. Older. They're older, yep. And then hanging with some biker buddies that were at the shop, you know. And uh yeah, it was just just it was just wild. Uh we were around bikes a lot. Not like that that they would allow me to do anything crazy, you know yeah. what I mean? At the time, like I was, you know, coming I was coming up on eighteen or whatever and everybody was able to drink controllably. You just stay at the house or mm -hmm. do something. Everybody was drinking here and there and smoking was just kind of acceptable and mm -hmm. compared to my overdoses they were like well if ronnie's smoking and he's just drinking a little he's bit okay he might be okay you know and then they're praying that i could get those chains broken as well you yeah. know so uh but i had some really amazing awesome years with my uncle um uh shout out to my uncle jeff uh who's still alive but um my grandpa who was with us with the shop which was my dad's dad uh my dad and my uncle mark they've all passed since um wow. yep yeah, and uh yeah, so, like, uh, it's just from that era, really, just me and my Uncle Jeff um, left. And my mom, she was, you know, part of the shop as well. But my Grandma Lois, uh, she passed as well. And uh, and then we got Uncle Mark's uh, wife. But it uh, sounds like that was a good time in your life. It, it was in a lot of ways because, like, I learned so much about bikes. I learned so much about um, my family. family. And yeah. the weird thing is, is I was, like, as young as my other cousins, but for some reason, like, that – gave me a door into that side of my family that a lot of people didn't get, Sure, you know, cause I was working with them a lot and, yeah. you know, hanging out and it was just really, really neat. I know my cousins, uh, shout out to Jamie and Sarah. Um, I know that they wanted to spend more time with their dad, um, Mark, who was my dad's middle brother. Um, so then when they hear about the stories that I tell them about yeah. them, you could tell that they're just like, man, I wish I, mm -hmm. you know, was able to meet them or whatever. But but yeah, so um, that bike shop obviously isn't to blame or anything. Um, but you know, I guess I was just bent on getting high and just kind of running that rope out, mm -hmm. and uh, and I did. I hit like a hundred rock bottoms before I hit the ultimate rock bottom. You know, mm -hmm. it's weird because it's like you think like once you hit it that there wouldn't be anything below it, but if you keep digging, you're gonna <laughs> you find it. You're lower. gonna find another level. Yeah, yeah. So so I did. Um, and I guess I'll just take you up to to the point which led me to prison, sure. which is is the rock bottom. It's um, it was a June eleventh of uh, two thousand ten. Um, I had just gotten fired. I ended up working for my dad's company. It was one of the jobs that I got, um, and I got fired. I couldn't rap back then, mm -hmm. but I wanted to try to play with lyrics, so mm -hmm. I actually got fired. Repeating just really bad, toxic, like mainstream rap type stuff that. You know, it was just, just bad. And I was, like, whispering it, and there was somebody on the call I ended up getting fired from like it. That. Broke my dad's heart, you know yeah. what I mean? And I'm just like, man. But I was already in such a dark spot by then because that would have been, like, 23, 24 years old yeah. is how old I was then. Um, so coming from, like, you know, 13 starting to then, and then bike shops was 16, 18. Things started getting kind of rocky then as well, super rocky. I seen a lot of dark years for a long time. Addiction, mm -hmm. way lost its fun. Um, I, I just, I it's it's a phenomenon that I that I didn't die though. Overdosing multiple times, it's just a phenomenon that I'm still here breathing. You survived. Yep. So, yeah. I get fired in January. Um, 
and I'm jobless for about five months uh, up until you know June you or whatever. With your parents, parents. I'm okay. living back at home with the parents. I had just had a townhouse. I've lived on my own and lived with people, but it was never for very long because mm-hmm. I just couldn't manage my life. Yeah. You know, you hear that phrase right. well, like with addiction, you go in and out. Oh man, yeah. it was bad. So I uh, couldn't manage my life. Um, living at home with the parents, I had. Just got my infinity in the shop because I was wrecking it, and it's getting a transmission replaced and some control arms and stuff because I ran into something or whatever. Uh, everything that I had was broke, or you know, I was in between this or that, or there was it was always something. Just messy, messy. Yep. So my mom let me borrow her truck. I was doing these outpatient um, treatment program because well, let me back up a little bit. Uh, during this time, I was involved in an outpatient treatment program because I just got out of another psych ward. If you have an overdose, they send you to a psych ward. That's just what happens, you know? Uh, so part of the stipulation for me to get How out. How were we in the psych ward? Uh, I, th- I don't really remember, um, but I, I would say only for a few weeks probably. You know I what mean, I mean? I, I just visited a psych ward Saturday. Dude, it was, some of um, them are nuts. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, it's wow. That's that's probably the best explanation. There's voluntary and involuntary psych wards. Right. Been in both. Voluntary is way better, yeah. but still pretty nuts. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so I got out of there, and part of the stipulation was that I did these outpatient programs and got a therapist or whatever. Okay. So I did. I got back. Um, I was doing these outpatients, and I went and seen my therapist for the first time. Uh, shout out Jean Preston. She wouldn't mind me sharing. Such a sweet lady. She was like your grandma, mm-hmm. your favorite grandma, right? Okay. She was such a beautiful, awesome uh, person, and she was a believer. You know, she believed in God. She believed in Jesus uh, specifically, and I just seen a very unusual side of God through her. It was so cool. Mm-hmm. It was like one of the first times I seen something that wasn't religion, you know, I seen something different dynamic, like family, you know, and it was just weird just how she explained her relationship with God. It was like, I would explain my relationship with you or somebody else. It was Mm -hmm. dynamic, you know, communication. Right. So it was just nuts. I had a great time with her. Um, for the first time, by the time I got done with that, uh, therapy session for the first time ever, I realized that my drinking and drugging was just the symptom of the real problem. Right. I had a me disease, right? And so what that me disease is, is I was, I'm trying to like self-medicate something that I have going internally exactly. spiritually, right? I'm spiritually sick, but I didn't know it. Yeah. So I was like, holy cow, that's it? That's why I can't get right, you know? It was amazing. And she was like, yeah, a lot of things that happened in your childhood and things that happened throughout your life, you could try to escape from and blah, blah, blah. And that's just the way that you do so. So it was just so neat because it was like I started figuring out a piece to the puzzle. It was almost like, and I might get this choppy, but like Bill W., when he's talking about Ebby and he sees Ebby come back and he's got the science about our addiction and he knows that it's like a physical thing, you mm-hmm. know, scientifically our reaction to alcohol and stuff is different than other people's. And then he sees Ebby and he sees the spiritual antidote and he's like, whoa, let's merge these two things together. And guess mm-hmm. what happened? It formed, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever, exactly. 12-step meetings and things like right. that. So I had a really interesting, you know, moment in my therapy session. Um, so that was pretty cool. I remember bragging to my best friend at the time. I got on the phone with him when I was leaving there. I was driving my mom's truck, you know, because I have to go to these meetings. And I'm getting ready to pick him up so we could work on my buddy's Harley or whatever. And um, I'm calling him. I'm like, dude, you got to like, uh, you just got to promise me you're going to go to this therapy. He's struggling. Mm-hmm. He was struggling as well, you know. And he was all excited. He's like, yeah, 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 you know, I'm going to go. He said, sounds awesome. And I remember just being so excited. I picked him up, and we're driving. And, you know, I had the intentions uh, 
to work. I believe I had the intentions to work on my buddy's bike, you know, at that time. Mm-hmm. But like we were just excited and stuff. And then I think I was just like, man, it'd be cool if we just partied, you yeah. know what I mean? Or drank or whatever. So we're driving the truck back and we're, you know, I'm, I say we're, but to that day it was really me just kind of making the plans. Mike was probably just wanting to chill or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving back or whatever. And I remember we clipped this deer, clipped like the head of a doe actually. And it barely like touches the car. It's a Nissan Titan, right? Mm-hmm. So it just clips the front of the the bumper and it sends it spinning, you know, in our rearview mirror or whatever. Um, but then it's making this like wow, wow, wow noise because it, hit it just enough to bend the fender to where it was rubbing on the tire well. Mm-hmm. It was weird because, like, for one, that was the first time I ever hit a deer or came to anything close to that. And I looked over at Mike. He was looking at me, and we're just like, man, something's just weird about that. Like, it's just, like, it's, like, heavy, you know, like like an omen or something's going on. So we're, you know, driving, and we're kind of talking about it. And I got that in my mind, but then I also got the overwhelming desire to, you know, get dr- drunk or high or whatever, you yeah. know. So we go back to my house, and my mom's like, oh, my gosh, what happened? You know, we got deer hair on the tire <laughs> right. wheel, and then the fenders bumped. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, it's a deer, you know, and here I am, like, I'm the victim or something, you know what I mean? And uh, so we're going back and forth, and she's, you know, calling her insurance, you know. Uh, feel sorry for the hell that I put my mom and dad through. Like, you never realize that in addiction, but Until it's afterwards, like, yeah. oh, my gosh. Looking back at the memories and stuff, yeah. it's just, it's sad. So... Anyway, I remember, you know, we were going through that whole ringer and, you know, this and that, and she finally kind of calms down or whatever, because this isn't just one thing. This is like the billionth thing that happened, mm-hmm. always something. And uh, I was like, man, but I really need to go over here and work on, you know, Mark Spike or whatever. Um, so she ends up ultimately agreeing. I'm, I'm literally going like right down the street because he mm-hmm. lives in a s- subdivision next to us, basically. So we're getting ready to do that. I go and make some chicken and hand a plate to Mike, and I you know, get a plate at this time. Like I knew of God, but I didn't really like have a relationship with them. So I, I always bless my meals though, you know? So I was sitting there praying, bless my meals, get up. Mike's still blessing his meal. Super weird. You know what I mean? I mean, he started doing it after I was doing mm-hmm. it, but for him to do it longer than me, it was just, it never happened. Literally. Mm-hmm. That was the first and only time it ever happened. And I remember just waiting cause it was awkward. It was just taking him so long and then when he was done, he just had this little smile, and it was only like he like nodded his head. And I'm just like, I would love to just, you know, pay any amount of money to find out what was said in that prayer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because something happened. So anyway, so that that happened. Um, we end up going out. I, you know, talk him into, you know, going out or whatever. So we go to our favorite spot, Hooters. Um, at this time, I didn't drink and drive. Uh, I had two DWIs before. So I was the guy that would drive us to the bar um, sober, and then somebody else would drive my vehicle or drive their vehicle home, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, I had two strikes and I wasn't trying to get a third or whatever. So, But this time, I remember we went and we got like a 12-pack or something like that, and I ended up drinking a couple like way out on a dirt road before we even went out, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And uh, so we did that, and then we went to the bar or whatever, and – it was our favorite spot. It's, it was anybody, any guy's favorite spot, Hooters, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I didn't even have to say that, you yeah. know? So at the time, that was just what we were into. Um, so we went there, and for the first time in forever, we I was actually having a good time, mm-hmm. which was crazy because my addiction just for so long just well, you had a good that. meeting with your therapist, too. That, too, yeah. There was a breakthrough there. And I just remember, you know, we were drinking and uh, having a good time, and then all of a sudden it was just like... Boom. I just blacked out, you know. Uh next thing I know, I'm 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 waking up 
and I see a really, really bright light in front of me, and I'm trying to, like, squint to kind of peer through the light, and I'm looking beyond the light. I see, like, this upper level. It's a window, and I see silhouettes of people with clipboards looking down on me. I'm like, okay, that's weird. Keep looking down further. Now I'm looking at myself. I realize that I'm completely naked. I'm on an operating table, and my legs are lacerated, flayed open, um, shards of metal and glass to the bone. Mm. I mean, is yeah, it's just it it, it didn't look. Uh, it, it just looked gross. Um, seen that, seen a surgeon pulling some of the stuff out of my legs, and uh, this is just the sick part of it is that the first thought. Like, I'm looking at stuff, right, mm -hmm. trying to figure stuff out, but I'm not really having a thought yet, right? I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. As soon as I figure out what's going on, I'm like, okay, something happened, you know? Um, my first thought was, I want to get high. Now, at this point, I was already wasted. Mm -hmm. They already gave me pain medicine. Mm -hmm. um, part of my idea was, is, like, I never felt like I was high enough, so that's what would lead Chasing me to the, the overdose. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I could have been plastered, but, like, in my mind, I didn't really feel like it. I wasn't there yet. Mm-hmm. So that was my first thought. I was like, I want to get high. So I start oohing and on trying to manipulate the doctor like us addicts do, and then to give me some more painkillers. And uh, I remember what happened is I asked him that question, you know, to see if I could get something for the pain or whatever. I remember he just, like, he was already moving kind of slow and methodical as a surgeon, right? So he just got very, like, deliberate and methodical movements. He just paused there, you know, at what he was doing. He turned over looked me in the eyes, and he said, what you really need to be worried about right now is your best friend who had to get air vac to another hospital because he's no longer breathing. Mm. So the whole getting high thing was just instantly terminated by that, gone, wasn't even thinking about it, and now my mind's obsessing over the fact of, okay, what happened for one, right. and uh, who was driving for two, and... uh. I know it's got to be bad, whatever, you know, Mike's going through, but he's going to pull through. Right. You know what I mean? He might have got knocked out. He's not breathing. Like, something's going to, you know, it's going to be okay. So I fell back out, blacked out again, woke back up. Now I'm in the hospital room, and uh, I pick up the phone to call my parents to tell them what happened, <coughs> call my mom, and they've been through stuff like this before, you know? So mm -hmm. at this point, it's not even a real big shocker to him, as, as crazy as it sounds. Mom's truck totaled. Um, calling dad and them, and they're just thankful that I'm alive. You're alive, right. Uh, my dad, Mike was my best friend, so, like, he had presents at the Christmas tree. Like, we were inseparable. We were, like, yeah. just, we did everything together. Um, so my dad was going on his way to Mike's hospital because he was in a worse situation than, than I was, but mine was on the way. So on his way to Mike's, uh, he ended up swinging by, stopping at mine, you know, was just like, just shredded, just torn apart, you know, uh, just wanting to get through this. My dad was a very, he was a dreamer. Uh, he was, uh, you know, very, he's just an optimist. He always believed in me when, when I didn't and no mm -hmm. one else did. I mean, he was going through it, right? Sure. But like, he just... He was a cheerleader for you. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was so strange. Like, it almost ir irritated me at times. But uh, so we ended up – let me put my phone down over there. Um, it was buzzing on us. But uh, so he ended up coming into my room. We talked for a minute. He ended up leaving uh, to make a phone call, made a phone call, came back in the room. 
things were different this time. Um, I know that he was just fighting back emotions. He went to sit on my uh, hospital bed, which he did. He put his left hand on my left thigh and was looking at me, and he was fighting to find the words. And he's like, hey, Ronnie, I, you know, I'm sorry to tell you this, but they just pulled Mike off of life support, and he's he's no longer mm. he's no longer with us. And it was just like, dude, um, I don't know how to describe it, but like if your soul was in your stomach, it was like having it just ripped out and stomped on uh, in that moment. And uh, I remember it was just like uh, instantly I went into like numbness and shock. I mean, I, I cried obviously then and at that moment, and I was overwhelmed and I, I was hurt. I was confused. I was like, this has got to be a nightmare. I, I like ended up dealing with some like mental trauma to where I've, I started feeling like reality was a dream and then dreams felt more like reality. It was mm-hmm. really weird. I ended up getting put on a lot of psychotic medicine because of it. I can't imagine, Ronnie, because I think a lot of people wonder what that's like, you know, because killing, you know, like a murder, you know, you, you, you know what's going on. You know, like you, you, you're, you're doing that. A life is taken, and but there was an action that you intended. Intended, yeah. Whereas this is different. This this is such a weird type of emotion thing that I think that a lot of people wonder about because it's involuntary. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't mean to. It's it's like your uh, it's your friend. Yeah. And but you still have to go through the whole thing that that person didn't make it. Yeah, and it's just—it's got to be just a weird mind buzz. It uh, it is. They have to say a weird mind buzz is is probably one of a hundred different things that we could call it. Um, but what I would say is, it just really like, man, it hardened my heart and just kind of numbed me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I don't yeah. know how else to describe it. Um, and that's why I ended up seeing my therapist again, seeing a psychiatrist because I was like, I legitimately feel like this isn't real right now. You know what I mean? Um, So it was strange. I ended up, at the time, the first Avatar was out, and I remember, I mean, for weeks, I didn't leave the couch but to go smoke a cigarette, and people would look at me like a zoo animal because I was just, I was dead. I was just a freaking hollow tomb of a person. You know, didn't talk and just, anyway. But, you know, later on, once I started doing more things, uh, the psychiatry and, and therapy and, uh, going around some, you know, uh, twelve step type meetings and stuff like that. Um, I ended up finding uh, there. There was this movie at the time. That's the point I was trying to make. Um, Avatar that came yeah, out. Yeah. And I think the thing that really attracted me to Avatar is there was this guy that was paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And dude, I was so mad at God, and I was begging. I'm like, why did you allow me to like walk? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's bad enough that for one, I just wish you would have killed me. Like, yeah. I was so Be out of it. right mad at God um, mm-hmm. that he would let me live through that and or that he would just, I was like, why wouldn't you just take me and let, right. let him live or something, you right. know? Um, so then I watched that movie, Avatar, and the, the main character is paralyzed, mm-hmm. which is what I wanted to be, and he was in a nightmare of a situation where he didn't like that life. Mm-hmm. Then he got put in this thing and became this avatar, and it was this beautiful world. There right. was a beautiful woman, and He's it was not paralyzed anymore. And it was against the 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 world and yeah. just the confusion. Things were simpler, and mm-hmm. it's just like I was so beautiful. I literally watched that same movie every single day until yeah. my court hearing or whatever. Um, so yeah, anyway, let's, let's talk about that too, because yeah. you had to deal with all of your emotions of losing your friend, 
and then finding out that it was because you were in this car accident and, and you know, he gets thrown and he, you lose him. Yeah. But then you have this whole other world that comes into yeah. existence that you're going to be charged and you're going to have to go through, you know, the whole uh, legal system, justice system of dealing with all that, getting an attorney and, and, and going through those steps in that process. I mean, were you just in a state of a, blur i mean was it just, just oh dude yeah i mean it's it's just hard to even figure out where to start with that um it was uh in a lot of ways it was the only way that it was good is how i should word that is that it drove me into a relationship with god mm-hmm. like super hard super fast yeah. because i was grasping at everything else in the world and nothing else was working and it was like he was my only other option yeah um, but I didn't just, uh, at first I was willingly going through the stuff and I was hoping like, I, I didn't want to go to prison. I knew I, de- I felt like I deserved it. I was yeah. like, I did something. It cost my friend his life. The least I can do is, you know, go serve a sentence. You know what I mean? Right. But I didn't actually want to do that, but I right. knew that was Nobody right. Would. Yeah. Right. But I didn't, I, I like, I reached that for a little while and then I didn't like something switched after one of the treatments. And I'm like, this is like overwhelming. I could be serving up to 15 years. I already killed my best friend and having to deal with that. Um, and I was like, and now you're going to make me go to prison for 15 years. I'm like, no way. Yeah. So I ended up like leaving, uh, instead of going back home, I was in a, a rehab in Florida. I ended up leaving with somebody, a guy there. Uh, going back to his parents' house or whatever, where I was trying to get a passport so that I could flee the country. Just get out. I did some research. I was like, I'm going to the Philippines. It's 80% English and Christian. I'm like, I'm just jetting there. Mm-hmm. And it's not expediting. That was the other thing right. that was important to me. Uh, obviously, you yeah. didn't want to get... You didn't want to you know, be extradited yeah, back. Yeah, heck right. no. So I was on my way to do that. I, I actually had a passport coming. I had filled out for it, had it coming. And the crazy thing is, is I ended up, I don't even know why, but like... Um, I opened up the Bible and I wasn't reading the Bible at this point. Um, but I opened it up and when I opened it up, I read like a part of the story. I can't remember exactly where it was, but it had to do with Paul and Paul basically giving himself up to the authorities, which happened when he surrendered himself Mm -hmm. to Rome. And I'm reading that on the page and God is just like, man, go home, surrender. Mm. And I'm like, what? 15 years in prison? What? Like. But, I, like, when God hits you with something, you'll do whatever. It mm-hmm. don't even matter because he graces you to do it. So he did. He blasted me. And I called my, you know, parents up, and I was like, all right, I, I, it's time to go home. They knew I was fleeing, mm-hmm. you know, and they didn't like it. But they were like, oh, my gosh, yeah, okay. So I ended up coming back home and uh, working some programs and stuff like that, working recovery, um, working my therapist, working psychiatry, and I found so much through certain types of recovery programs, I found a real dynamic relationship with God in that year that I had on bail and house arrest. Mm, I mean, interesting. It, was, it was nuts. I started memorizing. It's crazy, right? I don't, I, I'm like, and it kind of gave you something to hang on to. It did. Yeah. yeah. And the thing that I wanted to, especially when you're feeling overwhelmed, I, I'm, I'm sure that, uh, you were looking for, Oh, something. I needed something. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it was weird because I was around people like this particular meeting was in the basement of a church and a lot of recovery stuff is in basements of churches and Mm -hmm. facilities like that. So I was there and uh, the recovery is just like, whatever, you know what I mean? Like you could 
believe that your higher power is a chair or right. whatever. Yeah. Um, but I just seen something different in some people there. It's like they knew something that I didn't. They had this smirk on their face. They had joy that I couldn't even think I could ever reach. I was like, I want what they got. Mm-hmm. So I had one of them sponsor me, and I started doing what he did. And uh, one of his big things was like, you know, uh, don't walk by God. Mm-hmm. Walk with him. Mm-hmm. I was like, how do you do that? And he was like, read his word. So he gave me the Bible, you know, and he was like, don't just read it. Memorize it. Make it a part of your life. It tells you stuff. It gives you instructions. He's like, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Mm. He's like, just keep it simple, stupid. You know what I mean? Read this, do this. So I did, and I started growing. I had on and off recovery during that time, but I kept dabbling with the marijuana maintenance program. Um, But I had gained like a pretty good, I don't want to call it like a following, but it's kind of like a tribe of people that, you know, seen me trying, Mm -hmm. and they just kind of flocked around me in recovery through the faith, mm-hmm. through family, through other friends that see me trying to do something different. And you felt that. And I felt that, yeah. yep. And it was crazy because the there was a girl that was in a similar situation, um, and she had two offenses. She was involved in a drunk driving accident. She killed her friend who got ejected, um, and she served like a 120 in prison or whatever, mm-hmm. like a treatment basically. So I was like, man, that's a possibility. I'm like, that would be so cool, you know? And I was praying so much. I had everybody in the world praying. So many people praying that I knew that no matter what happened that day when that judge cracked that gavel, I knew that that was, God was behind that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I'll take you there. Let's just go there. We're in the courtroom now, okay? Uh, Half of the pews or whatever are filled up with just people that support me or whatever, and it's amazing. Um, I'm leaving out some of the details that I just want to be sensitive to everybody who was involved with the accident. So I, I just won't say much more other than that. Um, but we had the hearing or whatever. Uh, it was uh, a guilty plea, I think. Uh, yeah, because we weren't fighting it or whatever. We were just trying to do a guilty plea or whatever. And I remember when the judge cracked the gavel down and she said the following it just it just blew my mind. She was like, "All right, and I now sentence you to eight years in the Department of Corrections." Mm. And I'm like, "Wow, um, totally didn't see that coming." Mm. I'm like, eight years, eight years. I'm 24 years old right now. Mm-hmm. I can't even think about eight years. You know, um, I haven't even been an adult for that long. You know, mm-hmm. um, so everybody in the courtroom already a sad thing. Everybody's sad. Not the type of ending that we were thinking. Um, but I knew I was the only person in the courtroom that didn't cry because mm. like, I just knew I'm like, this is where God wants me. Is mm. that sounds crazy. Right. But sometimes he takes, so you weren't he, in shock. Wasn't it? Well, so it's weird. Cause um, I know when they, when they slapped down yeah. five years on me, I, I, I felt like the breath of my body, was, out, I, yeah. like, like it all left my, like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, there was, um, so did it surprise me or shock me? that that was the turnout. Yes, I yeah. didn't I didn't think for a second it would be that. But what was coupled with that and what worked in tandem was this knowing and understanding. You had a, you felt different. Mhm, yeah. cuz I was like, okay, this is assignment at this mm-hmm. point. So it was weird. Uh I remember my first so that was, you know, the court and I'm saying my goodbyes and I and I leave. There I go. They'd probably they just handcuff you and take you Handcuff me and take me away. Isn't that weird? It's just that's it. it. Weird. I walked through a different door than I came in. Right. And it's then, immediate. yep, yep, and they start booking me and stuff, and you're just trying to process the fact that you will no longer see any of the stuff that you just yeah, seen for your eight, whole life just changed for eight years. That's yeah. all gone, and I'm like, how is that even possible? 
I can't just go over to someone's house on a weekend and just have a, a weekend break or something. Yeah, and I think the thing that happens on that too, Ronnie, is is that you have the physical part of it that mm-hmm. you know all the colors in the world just go you know to grays and and browns yeah. and yeah. and concrete and whatever. But yep. your mental thing is is you can't do things anymore. Yeah. You can't just go to to Quick Trip or Gosh. you can't just walk and go for a walk out of the watch house. a dog in the yeah. park Can't watch do a anything. tree watch it's, anything it's truly everything changing. every single so you, thing so let's do let's take a break here yeah i won't go into um our other sponsor here for the show which is aaronduncan.net uh it's a full service global communications agency at aaronduncan.net their job is to make bad news go away this this is something i could have used by the way when i was going through all my stuff uh, they're known as the trauma surgeons of brand crises, corporate scandals, high-profile litigation, legal investigations, prosecutions. They, uh, they do crisis management. They do crisis communication. They do media relations, reputation management. Uh, they also do prison consulting and, and work with attorneys uh, with discovery, uh, more or less helping the process along to if you're working yourself into a plea bargain situation, you get more leverage with Aaron Duncan. So if you're in a crisis and you need help, this guy knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. He's done it for a while. Uh, for a confidential consultation regarding crisis or reputation management, an advisory role, whatever, contact Aaron W. Duncan at gmail.com or text or phone 636-236-5071, AaronDuncan.net, crisis uh, trauma surgeon for bad news, making it go away. Okay, we're back. So we're going to talk about, Ronnie, you have now stepped into the the other world. Yep. Stepped to the other side. It's yeah. like the oh reverse gosh. of the good stuff of Avatar. Yeah, it was. <laughs> like, I went the other way. You went yeah. the other way. Yeah. So, which was crazy because it was almost like not going the other way, though. I went from one nightmare to a different nightmare, which is weird. It was so weird. Like, my mind and what, like, looking back, like, well, walk I understand. us through it. Yeah. Walk us through. So, you go out the other door, yeah, go out uh, the other door, they start processing, processing. You. I, so, yeah. what, what happens next? Um, well, I uh, I ended up getting taken to county or whatever. Um, and uh, which our, county jail's the worst? County is terrible. Yeah, there's no TVs. There's no nothing. It's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Plus, everybody just got smoked with sentences. Exactly. So they're super mad. Yeah. Other people are like in limbo on getting waiting, smoked, and, and they, they can't believe they're waiting, yep. and they're mad, and they're smoking everybody in there because they think people's telling on them. Exactly. Everybody's a snitch. Yeah. So they're on the phone and they're whooping people, yeah. and I'm just like, what? That just new guy's gonna be a snitch. Yeah. Like we'll beat up on him. What just? Where am I? Yeah. You know. Um. So, uh, but I had a Bible there. I, you know, I got my Bible. I remember the first day I woke up on my mat, it was in an open bay. And I'm just like, day one. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the math on, but like take eight years times <laughs> 365. There's a and lot of one day. And you can't do that in prison. You know, that's the one thing I oh learned my gosh, is, is no. you have to try to win the day one day uh, at a time. Because if you don't, do not look at that. eight years is like, not how in the that. world would I ever get there? Oh, you can't. The only thing that I, what I would do, because they would give you those little like Salvation Army calendars that yeah. are about the size of a business card, and they will literally have every single day months. on there and all the months <laughs> yeah. on there. 
I would wait like three or four months yeah. before I scratched anything off. And then scratch and them And then I would scratch <laughs> about four months off and throw it in a drawer and let it just build There's, up. There should be, Ronnie, a whole book on how prisoners count time <laughs> in prison. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, so yeah, that was day one. Um it was just uh it was just weird. It was just a different uh different culture. Um I was, you know, reading the word and stuff like that and, and had my relationship with God, which is awesome. I carried that with me and found some guys in there that we started doing some Bible study and stuff like that, um, which was cool. But it was still rough. I remember like here's an example. This is something that you don't even think about. Like I, I use chapstick, right? Mm-hmm. My lips are always getting dry or whatever. I try to go without it and it just Sound I like can't my get brother to the in law. He's, yeah. He walks around with it all the time. I do, yeah. It's terrible. I hate it. But uh but anyway, so like I they don't give you chapstick in there. Like I mean they you can get it, but yeah. your lips have to be cracked, bleeding and gushing yeah. everywhere for them to, to move. Literally, like they, <laughs> they will not address it right. in county unless it's happening. Yeah. So I'm trying like the butter tricks off of the trays or whatever. Yeah. You take the butter and try to put it on your, yeah. but that's not working. And my lips are all cracked and busted and bleeding everywhere. And I just Sounds can't awful. get freaking Carmex for my life. Finally get it. I don't know. It was a couple of weeks or whatever, but you know, finally got it. And then I go to, uh, I'm in a pod or whatever for a little bit. I actually get shipped pretty quick. Cause I was only in County for a few weeks, I okay. think before I get sh- shipped. So you go to, did you go to your permanent? No, you went around diagnostics. For a while. Yeah. Okay. So I went from County to diagnostics. I was in Fulton at that time. There was like massive inca- incarceration going on. Like yeah. the prisons were over full. It's not good. So they had the bunk beds out, yeah. you know what I mean? And, uh, like it literally took me six months in diagnostics to even get shipped to my mainline camp. Wow. So I did six months in diagnostics before I ever went to my mainline camp. Um, that was a trip. So going from County to that, like once I finally got into the general pot, I could get like a little coffee bag or something. I remember the day that I was going to get my canteen, get my canteen bag. And they're like, all right, you're, you're getting shipped out and you can't take nothing with you. <laughs> oh, God. And I'm like, what? Well, cause it, uh, the weird thing is about prison is, is that it's a really big deal to get set up. Like that you feel like you have, because you don't have much in your world. No. But then to get, to get shipped somewhere, it's like so uh, upheaval of of your world. It's the same thing as like moving high schools, moving the schools (laughs) or whatever. I mean, I literally had to do it again, but I had to do it more often. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. That's exactly what happened. Just when I started getting cool, some people and I'm like, all right, man, I'm getting the kind of a rhythm. Boom. Time to go. And it's always a mysterious big question mark. So where am I going? Yep. yep. So when I get transferred from County to Fulton, you go through JCCC, I believe I went to JCCC that time. Uh, and then that's like the overflow or whatever. Or no, hold on. No, I went straight to, I went straight to Fulton that time. Uh, matter of fact, yeah, I was there with a buddy. Um, gosh, dang. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to say his name. I don't think he would even care, but, um, this guy was like, you know, he just did not like certain types of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm trying to just be, you know, yeah. you know, consider it or whatever but there was just a certain type of person that was there and uh it was charge related i should say you know nothing culturally but it was charge related he had a particular case and i'm sure people that have been in time you could quickly figure out what kind of case that was uh and and the people in county knew not to put him around particular people but they sat him right next to him when he found out that that happened uh, and he got mad everybody in unison even me i didn't even know what i was doing because you're, you're in shackles with your hands all the way down to your ankles, and mm-hmm. there's a chain in between, and you can't get up. You're locked to the seat. Everybody just popped their legs up. And you literally seen, like, there was probably seven of us. 
with cocked legs aimed right at this dude's head about to just like kick him through the side of the van or whatever. I'm like, what is going on? But I was like, I, I got to be a part of it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I'd, it was just like a reflex or whatever. So uh, they ended up getting it to where they were able to get this guy moved somewhere else or whatever, which was cool and nothing ended up happening there. But I'm like, wow, this is, you know, this is different. I seen different people world. getting smoked in, in count, County. A guy literally got knocked out right almost into my lap. I had to move. Um, and I'm just like, dude, this is nuts. Um, so then I go to diagnostics and it's a whole another different kind of nuts. Uh, and you hear about souping, souping people's head up and just stuff that you got to do. I had to fight a guy over bathroom, right? Mm -hmm. Like he got in front of me in line for the bathroom out in the wing yeah. And everybody was, like, hooting Dis about it. And I'm just you. like, hold up. Like, I'm going to have to fight now. You yeah. know what I mean? So I had to go in and fight this guy or whatever. And uh, I, I was never big on fighting. I had my triggers that would send me there, but I didn't. I wasn't really, like, a combative person or whatever. I was usually, like, a peacemaker or whatever. So it was just a different environment, you know, and I had to just turn into a different type of person. I hated it. It was just against my anatomy. Yeah. So I did, and that was diagnostics. Um then I got shipped to Bowling Green, which was a level four prison at the time. It had a death fence, you mm. know. Yeah. Uh, so that was different. On this particular prison yard and on most prison yards, you can't see outside the prison. Like, they got the houses and stuff designed to where you can't see outside. Yeah, it's almost like it's always in a valley, too. Like, yeah. there was between two houses, you could see a highway sign. And, like, maybe, like, you'd see a semi-truck driving by. Mm -hmm. But that was it. So... I was there really for a confined. year. Really confined. Really confined, yep, really isolated. And um, How long were you there? I was there for just a year, Yeah, and that was crazy. There was many riots, actual riot. There was stabbings. There was just, like, I mean, everything that Every you could Every day you had to look around. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It, 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 and I was scared. I was 24 years old, and, you know, just gangs and just everything. It was just crazy, you, you know? Do you have any mentors that try to help you out i did man shout out dennis patterson uh if you're listening to this and i'll, I'll try to remember to uh, call him and have him listen to this but denny patterson man he is awesome it's a big deal when somebody this dude helps you through the yeah the, the strange world yeah he was a, a super cool guy ex-military um ex-marine um and he was just you know from can i think he was from kentucky sorry denny if i'm getting this <laughs> wrong or cincinnati ohio maybe cincinnati ohio Sorry, forgive me for that. Um, one of those two, but he's a country boy, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, he just, uh, man, nobody messed with him. You know? <laughs> he's he had done strong. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, he had done five years, and uh, he was, I was his friend, and I was scared of him sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, but he was super cool. I remember this one day, and I had a lot of, you know, cool things happen, a lot of, you know, in-betweens and stuff, you know, I, you know, everything or whatever. I experienced it all in there, but one of the cool things that happened was, uh, there was this guy that just got out of, you know, the hole. He was a shot caller for the Crips. He got put right across from my bunk or whatever. And he was cutting this guy's hair on in my bunk or whatever. I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah. Like, this dude's way bigger than me, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he he would smoke me in a fight. Yeah. And I'm like, I got to say something to him. Yeah. I like, you can't I, be that guy. I have to say something to this right. guy. I don't want to do that. And uh, <laughs> so I did, and it was so crazy. I didn't know why he didn't call me a B word or something like yeah. right there. And like, but he didn't or whatever. He was just like, you know, complaining, probably because he seen that, you know, some of the people that I was hanging around with, mm -hmm. you know, and he was just people. smart or whatever. Or he was just, he's just political stuff. You know what I mean? Until like, he, he was probably just like, trying to see, all right, you know, I'm going to be barking right now, but not say anything deliberate, and just, I just want to see who all is involved. Or something. I don't know what, I have no <laughs> idea. He should have just knocked me out. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. I wasn't like a, a jerk about it yeah. or whatever. I was like, you know, as courageous as you could be while being scared to death, yeah. you know? 
Um, so he was like, blah, 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 blah. You know, I had to go to Med Pass, but it looked like he was kind of moving out of the area, and I had to go to Med Pass anyway. So I went to Med Pass, and I'm like, crap. Lace my shoes up super tight, and I'm in my head. I'm like, I got to fight this guy. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to get whooped. I don't want to fight. I'm scared. <laughs> you know, and I remember when I came back, uh, he was smiling and stuff. He's like, hey, bro, man, I just wanted to say, you know, my bad. You know, I was just, you That's know, cool. I just, he literally just did a, a year in the hole. Oh, like man. one year in the hole. And uh, he came back and he was just being cool, man. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm like, wow. Like, I was like, that's, that's yeah, that's whatever. That's, I, I think it's so crazy how those things go through your mind too. Because there, there was a night, you know, when they when they did count, you know, they turned the lights off and people, you know, put their book lights on or whatever. And these guys got in a fight and they yeah. knocked into my bunk bed. And I was like, you know, probably that I should say it. But then yeah. while I was sitting there thinking, the guy, you know, came up after they got done with their, their little scuffle. They said, hey, man, I'm really sorry about the that's bunk so bed. Cool. That's so disrespectful. I was like, yeah. oh, man, that's cool. <laughs> Thank you for saving me for that, yeah. So uh, the the there was something that someone that had something to do with that, right? Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, the guy had said that or whatever, super cool, had that transaction. But I was looking over, and, like, my buddy Denny's almost got a smirk over by his bunk or whatever. And I remember, pull, like, he pulled up on me, and he was like, hey, you know, that's cool yeah. of what's name. And he was like, that's pretty cool. And I was like, yeah. And, and it's like he knew something. He was like, yeah. He was like, when you left, I just kind of, you know, pulled up on him. I mean, like, not to fight right. or whatever, but right. he just had, he was a respectful yeah. for person. And yeah. he was just in a real kind way. He was just like, hey, man, yeah. that little guy's my partner. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, do you mind or whatever? And he... But he had respect, so he could approach a bro like that, yep. right? You know what I mean? And another guy that recognized that Some was just Some guys like, have that. Some guys And don't. he he did. Yeah. I didn't. Promise you, I didn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> I had the opposite of that. I was a youngster. I had a hard way to go. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, he uh, he did that, and it was just super awesome. We ended up selling. I got kicked out into the other side of the yard, and then I went back to the, his side or whatever, and we ended up selling uh, for almost a year together. Uh, it was awesome, man. He is the reason why I'm as clean as I am, because yeah. <laughs> he taught me he how to GIS. Guy. Oh man, he taught me how yeah. to GIS cell and this rag for this, this uh -huh. rag for that, and Big we deal. did it every single day. We cleaned our cell, we GI'd our cell, really. So and washed our laundry. Like I went from, I used to be so you know clean, but then I ended up getting a house and ha making it a halfway house. So I had to break those habits, okay. right? But I used to be just like OCD with cleanliness because of it. So. But anyway, yeah, so that was Bowling Green. Ended up getting transferred to uh, Pacific. Uh, I was still sober throughout this period. Uh, and in the, the uh, whatchamacallit, diagnostic center, I, I gotten high one time in the diagnostic center. But other than that, was sober. Mm -hmm. And then was sober all through Bowling Green except for uh, like the week before, day before I transferred. We ended up getting some heroin yep. or whatever. And boom, it was off to the races. I get transferred to Pacific, completely different crowd again. I got to relearn everything. And, uh, you know, I'm in the wing and in the cell with people that are just, like, just going hard. Mm -hmm. And from that point forward, for five years of my incarceration, I was high, almost five years or whatever, I wow. was high every single day of my life. Um, there was only one day that I wasn't, and it was like six days that I couldn't get anything, and I just felt so lost and scared and anxiety. It was just, yeah. it was nuts. So five years into it, I'm in A-Wing. Uh, my buddy uh, Ryan Summer uh, was, was my cell. He shout out Ryan Summer. I did three years in a cell with him. Uh, he might listen to this at some time. And, Probably had uh, to interview him. Yep, have to interview <laughs> him, absolutely. Um, so we were in the cell for a while. We really jammed together. It was pretty cool. And uh, – I remember, you know, we were getting high still, and 
at this time, people were just getting told on left and right. I mean, it was like crazy. My wing, um, reasonably so, because my wing had like three or four of the biggest dope dealers on the yard mm -hmm. in my wing. Mm -hmm. So literally like all the dope fiends wanted to get into. Sure, they two wanted in there. They sure. wanted into two house A wing. Yeah. You know, we were there. Mm -hmm. So it was cracking and it was going crazy. Um, drop, people getting dropped, six month setback, whole shot instantaneously, mm -hmm. you know. So that's when I started these foxhole prayers. You know, I had a relationship with God. I had pretty much abandoned him. I would talk to him from time to time, but I pretty much abandoned him for the, those five years. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Lord, this is a different world. I don't really see you in here too much. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know where you're at, but it's like, this is dark, you know? And it just was easier to just blend in right. uh, than to stick out, or so I thought anyway. Right. Um, so I was, you know, the seals were coming to do the urine analysis and people were getting dropped uh, left and right. I'm doing these foxhole prayers. I'm like, God, if you just let the seal pass up my cell. I'll sign up for a church service, you know, mm -hmm. boom, he'd pass up the cell. I'd get the paperwork out. I'd fill it out, you know, and, uh, I'd sign up for another one. And then I'd sign up for another one. Cause I'm doing these bargains, right. Mm -hmm. Where I'm, I remember I ended up doing so many bargains that I was basically going to church every night of the week that you, <laughs> that you could go, you know, and then I was out of bargaining tools. Yeah. So I'm, but I was just like, I have to like keep going to these services because if I don't, then I'm breaking my right, side of the bargain. The bargain right. Yeah. So then I won't have anything to, you know, argue with or, or whatever collateral, so I started going to these services and stuff. And like I said, you know, I had, I had the foundation of my relationship with them, but I was getting high still. And it's like, you don't really want to be in church when you're getting high or, or so I thought, you know what I mean? Cause it, uh, for my whole life, I felt like, Oh, if you don't got your crap together, don't feel like an imposter. Yeah. Don't go to church. If, if right. you still, I got hurts, habits and hangups. Right. Uh, dramatically wrong right so i was going into church and i was like wow it's crazy every time i go in here for one i'm accepted you know mm -hmm. i don't put my business out there but everybody knows i'm the biggest dope fiend on the yard right. you know what i mean and I, i'm just like every time i go i always felt good by the time i left i heard something mm -hmm. you know i got a message i got a word i heard a song you know god was speaking to me and then i started wanting to go you know so mm -hmm. i started going i was the guy in the very back row uh, top right, back corner, couldn't be farther out of sight. Yeah. And uh, I would see some guys down there, and, like, they'd start, like, during worship, they'd slip a hand up or something, mm -hmm. and I'm like, man, I just could never do that, right? Well, it was mm -hmm. crazy because slowly but surely, like, I started wiggling an arm up or whatever, and then mm -hmm. before you know it, I got two arms up, and I'm just not caring about what people think. I'm just connecting to God through this mm -hmm. music, you know? And if somebody would look up my way, I'd shoot my hands down, you know, and just kind of just kind of play it off with with like a little <laughs> like rock. everybody cares what you were doing. Like, but I like, hear what I was doing, but right. I was so plexed up. Like something that was a huge like root of insecurity was um, I cared what people thought sure. so bad yeah. that it made you me be accepted. And not, yep. Yeah. It made me not a genuine person, yeah. you know. Uh, it made me a chameleon. So I'm just in the initial stage uh, stages of having God lead me through dismantling that, right? Mm -hmm. To just find out who I am and be comfortable being in my own skin. I have a really funny story about that too here in a little bit. So I'm doing that, slipping my hands up and stuff. And uh, one of the brothers uh, comes up. His name's Barry Roberson. Shout out Barry. Uh, you want to interview him? He's out here doing good too. I got a good cleaning service and stuff like that. Um, good for Barry. Yeah, yeah, super awesome. This is like a, uh, I don't know how to like uh, Pentecostal, um, you know, prophet. Like you know, when he would speak, you would just get the haze in his eyes. 
and it was just wild. It was a wild experience, yeah. you know. But I remember he just got transferred, and he was speaking and preaching and, and, you know, working with some guys, and he was building a choir at the time, right? He had seen some amazing things in Charleston, which was a Supermax. It was the five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like, man, I just uh, – God's given me a word that he's going to do the same thing here. So he's trying to get people, you know, involved and stuff like that. And he taps me on the shoulder one day. He's like, hey, I want you to sing in the choir. Funny thing is, now he said that I could sing earlier. What he meant is I can rap. (laughs) There is a very big difference between the two. But had you been rapping? No. Okay. I didn't even know that I could rap at this point. So that's a very good point. No, I wrote like poetry is what I would call it. It was like just like free verse because it, it was not... Like, because there's a lot of rappers in prison. Uh, yeah, yeah, there is, there is, and yep. some very good and some very bad. Yeah, <laughs> probably more bad than good. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and they'll all let you hear their music. Sure. That's for sure. Absolutely. So, um, I'm somewhere in the middle there. Uh, but uh, I didn't know it at this time, right? So he asked me to sing in the choir, and I was so tired of telling God no at this point. Yeah that I would say yes to anything. If he was just like, hey, put on a, a, a skirt and pom-poms and be my cheerleader, do that. I might have done it. You yeah. know what I mean? Because I was so desperate to do something different so that I could get a different result. Yeah. So he was like singing the choir. And before I could even know I said yes, I said yes. Like before I even knew that it happened, I'm like, what did you just do, you yeah. idiot? Yeah, now like, you're a singer. I can not only not sing, <laughs> but I can't even sing with auto-tune. <laughs> And that almost makes anyone's voice good, but I, I'm not, I'm being honest. Like, there's only probably a couple things and a couple songs, little clips that I'll hit a particular note that I recorded 400 times <laughs> that we got auto tuned to make it not sound terrible, and that's it. That is that's my funny. career in singing. So, but at this time I didn't know it, so I'm going up. I didn't know what God was doing. God is so smart. God is so sovereign. I get come back to that word because. He's like all-knowing. He's weaving all this stuff together. He's brilliant. Remember when I said, picked up that Bible, heard about Paul mm-hmm. turning himself in. I go turn myself in, in. Yeah. and now I'm going into prison, but I just knew that that's where he wanted me to be. Yeah. Had no idea what all yeah. it was about, and now, now he's got me singing. in the services. Yep. Now he's got me for real surrendered. Uh-huh. So what he was doing was he was trying, because I had such a big fear of public speaking. I still battle with anxiety and stuff at different levels for different events all the time. Yeah. Never Everybody gone away. Does. Yep, never gone away, uh, but it's more manageable because me and God have developed a track record at this point, and I'm just like, man, God, you've came through like, you know, 150 times before, so mm-hmm. you're going to come through again. There we go. Yep, so you just kind of work through that. Um, but anyway, so I started singing in the choir. What God was doing is he was trying to get me uh, past the paralysis of public speaking. I mm-hmm. was so fearful of it that he wanted to put me in front of people. But he knew that he couldn't just call me up to give like a story or to speak alone mm-hmm. because so then it'd be all eyes on me. Right. Yeah. So it was a choir. So now I am, I was the guy that was opening, like lifting my hands up in the back, didn't want people to see me shooting them down. Now I'm in front of people and I'm like, man, like when I would have certain songs that would really hit home and I'd really feel like, you know, God's presence, I would be able to lift my hands up mm-hmm. and I would be in reckless abandon. Didn't care what I looked like. I was connected to God, and a lot of times I closed my eyes. It was me and him. Mm-hmm. But it was beautiful because it was genuine. Right. And then sometimes I'd open my eyes, and I would like see people like connecting to God through the, the music. music and then also through seeing me connect to God genuinely. Mm-hmm. Very important word in that, right? And then I was like, wow, that's interesting. So maybe I should try to like press into just like not caring what other people think yeah. and just try to worship God because it's ministering to people. Mm-hmm. So I do, and and the thing is, is God was just getting me used to, like I said, getting used to people seeing me up there. So one of my other buddies, Eddie Cross, who I'll probably see in Pacific, he's still there. Uh, he's getting out soon, though. Uh, he ended up handing me a, he would always hand me a mic because I was so scared of it. And he's like, get ready. 
you know, God calls up leaders, bro. This is you. Mm-hmm. You're going to be on a microphone. And I was just scared of it. Well, he ended up calling me up to give my testimony um, shortly after I was doing the choir singing and stuff. And I was involved in church. People kind of knew of me, but uh, I was not sober yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I was still getting high and struggling, mm-hmm. um, but God met me right there. That's so crazy. Uh, but he met me right there. And uh, I ended up singing or saying my testimony one time. I did it. I was, it was knees knocking, arms shaking. I mean, I was petrified, mm-hmm. but the message that God gave resonated with some people. They came up to me and they're like, man, you got a gift. Yeah. Like you should press into that. Yeah. Terrified. Totally didn't want to, but I couldn't say no. Yeah. I was tired of saying no to God. So I was like, all right, I'll do it again. I'll do it again next month. Mm-hmm. So one thing led to another that just became a thing. I just became speaking. You got more and more comfortable Speaking with regular. Yeah, stepping yep. out of the comfort zone. Yep. And yeah. I was still battling sobriety. Like, I mean, there was one service that I was so high on heroin. I was overdosing. Like, I was waking up, found out that I couldn't breathe, exhausted. Like, trying to catch my breath. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how long I had stopped breathing, you know, forever. You know, mm-hmm. scratched my nose purple. It was bleeding. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't go to a service. There was another time I was high on meth for three days. I didn't sleep in three days. And I had to go to choir rehearsal uh, Sunday morning mm-hmm. and act like I was tired. So I was yeah. like trying to fake a yawn to make it look like I wasn't tweaking or whatever. But I say that and I give you that that those graphics just to encourage people like, uh, you know, if, if you're not open to the idea of God or just like you have this like experience with religion, I'm just here to tell you there is someone, there is a creator, an intelligent designer out there who will literally meet you wherever you're at. Mm-hmm. And it's mind blowing. Like you are so welcome. So I got to ask you this though, Ronnie. So when you go, you're going through all this and then you start stepping into, from what I've read, you, you started this experience that happened for you in that room and then connecting with those guys then started, you, you started getting sober, mm-hmm. but then you, you started really bettering yourself oh, man. like through the GED, go with yeah. Washington university. Can you walk us through? I would, that yeah, I would love to. So I, this is an important fun fact um, or not so fun fact about me, but I was a high school dropout. Uh, I dropped out dead last in my class mm-hmm. mid-junior year. So what that means is I was literally the worst student. Mm-hmm. Um, they mentioned that at my court hearing in case I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Just, for everybody just like, oh, know. by the way, yeah. he dropped out dead last in his yeah. class. That's yeah. this guy. This is the man. So I was the guy that could never get right. I always struggled in school, and I thought that I was stupid. I had a complex that I was stupid. I was sure. always a stoner and everything else, so I yeah, never knew just anything. Kind of factored that all in. Yeah, yeah, and I never knew anything about anything. You could mm-hmm. ask me about like something that happened in the world that everyone knew, and I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. I was just like an idiot. My p- parents would apologize for me. <laughs> they would be like, I'm sorry, he's been stuck in a stupor his whole life. <laughs> It was just a thing. So, but I remember like I had done no schooling. Uh, so let's back up. I had said that I was in the bike shop, right? And I was yep. taking GED classes. What I didn't tell you is I took my test. Okay. Uh, and out of 2,250 points, I got 2,240. Wow. Failed. Never went back to take it. So okay. this is years later. I'm in Pacific and I want to get, you know, I'm working with God and I'm yep. wanting to get my GED. Well, he put me in for the classes. I take the locator test smoke the score. Wow. They're like, all right, let's put you into the advanced class. Okay. Smoke the score. They're like, all right, we're putting you in for totally the Totally different mindset now. Totally different mindset. I had not done one ounce of schooling. I have no idea Isn't how I had any though? of the knowledge to do any of that. Wow. Math included. They put me through this one crunch uh, class for math, and then boom, I'm taking my freaking GED. Wow. I ended up taking the GED, and I got like 2,900 or almost 3,000 points on it which was like out of 3,500 or something mm-hmm. like that then, but it was good enough. Really it was like 2,250 was passing, yeah. and I was like almost at three, so it was good enough to where I qualified for partial scholarship. How'd that make you feel? 
Amazing. Yeah. Well, because it was like just kind of filling you up. It's like the uh, the fourth step. Like people look at that step where you do an inventory, an honest inventory, yeah. and you're completely honest and you yeah. tell every dark secret that you ever had right. in front of another Get person. It all out in the, open. the stuff that you want to take to the grave. Right. No, no, you're talking about that. Like yeah. so, you look at the fourth step and you're like, I could never do it. Then you do it, then you're like, Wow, I could do anything in the world. Yeah. Same thing with the GED and that education. That, yeah, that's one of those yeah. big landmarks. And for confidence. Me. Confidence. Yeah. yeah. So got that, and I was like, Wow, that's just crazy. So. I ended up getting that before I had the really awesome metamorphosis with God. Now, I said that I had started it before my incarceration. Yeah. So I still had a gist of God, and I still was walking, but I wasn't really walking with them. I was getting high and blah, blah, blah. But I took the GED, smoked the scores, ended up, um, uh, what I was going to say, ended up trying to get accepted into Washington University. Mm-hmm. Uh, couldn't get in. I failed it, right, mm-hmm. the first time that I applied. Um, I was still getting high and I just wasn't ready, I guess, yeah. you know, but then I, after I got sober and was growing in the Lord and stuff, mm-hmm. the opportunity presented it again, they did a new enrollment and I'm like, man, I'm going to try to do this. So, so when you got sober, I'm interested because you were going to church. Yeah. Oh, I didn't but, tell but, you but, when, but when you got sober though, did you then start kind of hanging with different guys? Oh yeah, okay. for sure. So this, that was a pretty cool, I'm glad you asked these trigger questions. Um, so, yeah, I ended up quitting smoking cigarettes, actually, six months before I quit okay. getting high. So I, I quit smoking on uh, November 2nd of 2015. Six months later, I got sober on April 25th of 2016. Okay. Um, so uh, during that time or whatever, when I got sober, like I said, I had, like, the biggest dope dealers in the wing, right? right. And I was their favorite customer. Sure. I had long money, so, like, I was always, you know, right. their go-to, one of their go-tos. Mm-hmm. And I remember one in particular, like they, they all seen me like growing, going to church and like now Ronnie's sober. And they're like, that's freaking weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody in the world, this dude's sober. Um, and one of the dealers, like, and he was a friend of mine, he went down there. It doesn't sound like it when I say this though, he went down there and he was like, Hey man, Hey, this rocks for you. You know, now I've been watching him cook up my canteen money, like yeah. for the past couple months, because he's got all my money. I got sure. like a little bag soup at the microwave. I'm trying to heat up, you yeah. know? And he goes to hand me this big old rock of meth. Mm. And he went to hand it to me. He's like, that's you, bro. Like, just on GP. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm like, dude, I was like, it doesn't have any power over me. I was like, I, I just don't want, I don't know if I said like, yeah, hey, thanks, but like I'm good. Yeah, no or if thanks. I just went straight to to saying that like it doesn't have any power for me, but that's what I remember is I was mm-hmm. like, man, that thing just doesn't have any power over you me anymore. I was like, I, I, I don't even want to get high anymore. Yeah. And he's looking at me. He cannot he process. He doesn't understand what you're he saying. He can't process it. So then he is just like, okay, dude, look, you can just have this, and you can put food in your locker. Mm-hmm. Off of that one rock, I could have probably put $500 or more in canteen mm-hmm. in, in my locker and been good for a month and a half. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I just don't I don't want any part in that, dude. You know, just And I just walked away. Direction. Yeah, so it was so crazy. It was so neat, though, because a lot of people that didn't believe in God – when they seen my walk, they were like, look, dude, I still don't know where I'm at with this God thing, but I know whatever happened to you is real, dude. What you're doing. What you're doing is real. And like, it was so real that I became the guy that would walk around with a clipboard, getting people to sign up for church services and, and recovery meetings and stuff. I was that guy. And I would get some of the guys, if I was speaking, um, and later when I was rapping, if I was doing something, I could always get people that wouldn't go to church to come to church Mm -hmm. because they're like, you know, I don't know if I'm with all that, but I like hearing you speak because I know it's real. Mm-hmm. Like whatever you're about to say is is coming from an honest place or whatever. So it was really neat. Um, did that answer your question? Yeah, it did. Okay, cool. Because I, you know, there's a lot. There was a big transformation that happened, and then 
you did get into the program. You yep. did get into the WashU program. For yep. those that don't know about WashU, it's really kind of considered the Ivy League of the Midwest. So yep. there's a prison program that that WashU has done, and, and a couple of these people who've been on, Jim Brock and others, um, have gone through that program, and you can actually get an associate's degree. I'm not sure if you can get the You full, can get a bachelor's. You actually, yep, actually you get, get a bachelor's yep. degree now. A couple guys did, I think. So you failed the first time to get through on the application. Yep. Then, then you I did passed. it. Ag- yep. You did the it second time I did it again. I reapplied. I had God. I was on fire. Yeah. I had prayer. And, uh, and so how far are boom. you away from the door of freedom at this point? Are you, uh, this is, oh yeah. So I'm about two years. So that was an important fact. I knew I was going to die in my addiction. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but like, like I knew I was going to die. I almost overdosed a handful more times, right? And While people were around. dying in there. Yeah. They're dying from overdose. Sure. And I knew it was my number was there. Yeah. It was like guys tell me he's like, "Look, Jack, it's over." Uh-huh. Like, and something in me told me that I had to get sober 2 years before I got out of prison. Got it. Something yeah. in me, I don't know what it was, but it was just, you know, I just I knew that I had to. And fortunately enough, there was this one service that I was a part of, and when I came back to my cell that day, cuz like I said I was still struggling on getting high, I just had the power to get rid of the pills that I had. Mm. And that was April 25th of 2016. God gave me the power to just walk away from it all. Mm. And it's just crazy. I don't know how to describe it, but he did the heavy lifting for me. But you felt strong enough that you could push all that away. And not even just feeling strong enough, but like what was a heavy like duffel bag full of barbells that would drive me to the ground. It was no longer there. There was no weight. It was just like I could pick those pills up like a feather and just flick them a football field away. You know, there, it was just nothing to it. It's so strange. That, is that strange. rock of meth in front of me had no power. I didn't even have to get high. I could have sold it. so different for you. So different. I still, well, yeah. Let's do this. Let's talk about, so you get into that. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that you do pretty well in that program. I did, yeah. That's a good thing that she asked that. So that's a, a pretty cool uh, a brag point on God because uh, he came into my life and everything changed dramatically. So I went from the high school dropout, dropped out dead last in his class, to I worked halfway towards my associate's degree in WashU while maintaining a straight A grade point average. Wow, dude, I had A minuses and A's, and it that's was just, very cool. It blows my mind still to this day. Like I joke about it. Like if Matt and Renee are, are listening to this yeah. video, they'll joke because, you know, I was like, I'm kind of prideful about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're like, when I bring it up, they're like, yeah, yeah. I, I see you shooting your shot, <laughs> but it's like, I am. I'm like, you don't know what I've been through. Yeah. Like to get accepted. And like, well, I think you probably appreciated it that much more. Though. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause I was the last person that could do that. Yeah. And then it happened and I was just like, blown away. So I got out of school. I could still continue to do college classes there. It just didn't make sense for me at the time I went into construction and then doing other business stuff, doing mm-hmm. ministry stuff, rapping. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just been pretty crazy. So, well, let's back up a little bit. Yep. So you finally get that day that you're going to get out Yep. and you've, you've basically transformed yourself while you're in. Yeah. I and mean, you come out a different person Completely. seven years and something while you're in. Yeah. Um, like walk us through getting out. Like, tell us oh, what you, tell us what's going on now. Cause so, it's been yeah. what five years. Yeah. Let's, let's walk through freedom. That's a for good. You. Yeah. That's uh, I always put so much emphasis on like the beforehand. Yeah. Right. And I try to force myself on. There's so much good stuff. Yeah. Like you need to hear the recovery. Yeah. Right. So w- one thing that's cool is that, uh, I was at Pacific, which is the prison I left from for five years of mm-hmm. my seven years that I did. So I looked at the exit. I seen the exit door for five years 
And when I finally got to the day and the time got, you know, super slow, I did sleep the night before. That's a phenomenon. Um, but when I finally got to walk through that door, I just can't describe what that feeling was like. And then the first couple of weeks of just waking up in like normal environment and food and stuff. And like, it's what did you walk out to? Did you walk to, to your parents? Or? Yeah, well, my dad, he ended up picking me up. Okay. Yep. He was still alive then. And, uh, he ended up picking me up and I stayed in his house. Uh, he had a house out there in St. Charles that I stayed at, okay. you know, for actually it was like my first uh, month. And then, Things happen so fast. Uh, Danny got out. Me and him were actually going into business together to get uh, to do tree trimming. So within a month of me being out, I ended up, you know, getting a job or whatever and deciding I'm going to go into business as, you know, painter slash tree trimmer. Mm -hmm. And we get a townhouse. He co-signs for it. Like I'm literally, I literally go from doing seven years in prison, being institutionalized to just on your own, legit within a month. And now I got my own place. That's pretty Uh, wild. I mean, it's, that's not normal really no and looking back i'm just like man that is so abnormal i don't know how i did it um had a weird spin uh danny's story took a different turn he ended up uh you know struggling for a little bit um the day we were supposed to move in was the day that he started going back wayward um which he did he's got a beautiful redemption story his just took a little bit more time mm-hmm. so you know he's going to be on this uh podcast yeah soon enough. And, and uh i mean for for the guys that want to Check out the the link boy. You can, you can see a lot of different things yep. on uh, YouTube, but I yep. think you guys are on Spotify and other Spotify, things. Apple. Apple, Amazon. Yeah. Yep, it's L I N K B O Y Z, and uh, yeah, it's a pretty. Well, cool let's let's deal. talk a little bit about this. So you get you get go because you've got a two year old boy now. You've got yeah, you've got a right, house. Uh, oh let, my let's gosh! Talk about, all, like, yeah. What what, what steps happened? happened? Yeah, so uh, I, I was living on my own. I was doing business on my own. I, I had a background of painting. Yeah. Uh, shout out uh, Jim Wells. Love you, bro. He taught me how to paint. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I just went with it. So I wasn't that good. I, I couldn't really start started, my own business, but I did. That's what I, I love did. about what your story is. You just take action with yeah, it. Yeah, you got to. Just, so Just start stepping. I just did. I started doing exactly that. And there were so many painting situations that were so embarrassing and traumatizing. <laughs> and I was called uh, uh, Handyman Painting and landscaping at the time like, yeah. that's my name because i was like i just need to market to whoever yeah everybody just somebody wants this. hire me i will give ice I'll cream. do anything yeah right. i'll walk your dog yeah um so i was doing that you know i was doing the painting and stuff um and i got better over time but it was so crazy because it's like living on your own super expensive you know start my own company uh was super expensive too because it's like everywhere you turn you got to pay for more uh, tools and stuff like that materials and stuff or you lose out on a job or whatever so uh it was just nuts um i did that for a few years um and did some other things you know danny ended up getting back out we ended Mm -hmm. up doing some link boys i was still predominantly working for myself it wasn't until about a year and a half ago that i got a different job and things started to change on that front but uh, I ended up going to my home church, uh, shout out connect church, STL and pastor Chris, uh, he came in and did these services called connect worship, which was just phenomenal. He's the reason why I'm getting back into Pacific. He's one of them. Awesome. Shout out Rick from constructing futures and, uh, Andy, uh, as well for helping me get in and then the warden as well. But, um, but yeah, so where, where, where was I? Well, at? I was just, yeah. you, 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 you start stepping in getting painting. Yep. Um, yep. Was rooted into, oh, yeah, that's right. I, so I had that career as painting, and then I went to a hybrid to where I started working for the church. Yeah. Uh, and then I started doing, um, uh, I was the, I became the recovery director, which was super cool. I helped lead Celebrate Recovery there. Yeah. Uh, from the day that I got out, 
uh, like the next month or two, me and Brian Brown started leading Celebrate Recovery there at Connect Church. So that kind of probably helped you connect back in. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. My church. Because a lot of times family, when you get out, oh, you got to like, have people. Yeah, exactly. Dude, and that's one of the huge missing links. And that's why when uh, uh, Chris, Andy, system. and Rick and I were meeting with the warden, we were like, that is one huge it's disconnect. Huge but this is what we can offer, you yeah. know. Uh, so my church body, dude, uh, had fed me with so much work, fed me with so much resources, fed me with accountability and just purpose. Awesome. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So like you have got to have people because it's so easy to just get a text from somebody from the old life and want to go out on yeah, a Friday night. But, exactly. And you've been gone and yep. it's get back good times and all that. Yep. But you, you went on a different path. So you made that work. Yeah. Uh, so you've got a two year old. Two year old. So. Yep. Uh, married? Uh, yeah, married. married. Yeah, married. And you got your own house? Got my own house. Crazy homeowner. Uh, you're doing well with your job? Doing good, yeah. I uh, I do sales and development for Serve Pro, so if anybody needs any like uh, disaster services, please call me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a, it's just cleaning, restoration, cleaning, construction, restoration, Serve yep, Pro. I know yep. Serve Pro. Serve Pro's a big company. Yep, heck yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, brother Kevin Thole gave me a shot there, and I recently became uh, like a, doing a little bit of some project manager. But what's cool about your story, well. though, Ronnie, is that all these different things that you've stepped through, you've connected and networked and created and opportunities that's, for that's yourself. that's huge networking, yeah, yeah, around the right people. Because they're not easy. I mean, you're an ex-felon. I'm yeah. an ex-felon. It's not easy just to walk in and say, hey, by the way, I'd like a job. No, no. actually, you yeah. got to fight a lot harder than that, yeah. and you have to have your yeah. your stuff together to get <sighs> into an opportunity. Or you just got to just really just be a professional at being able to have a bad day, but not yeah. doing anything about it. Exactly. You know what I mean? Cause yep. you have a lot of those, but yep. you just got to get through it, get back up and do it yep. again. Yeah. There's an old Chinese proverb, get knocked down seven times, get up eight. Yeah. But the reason why you get up eight is you got a reason to get up. Yeah. Otherwise you stay down. And that's, that's cool. I want to play some of your music here. Yeah. So, Ooh, this addiction. Is, this is addiction. Link boys, but it's cool because he's, they're in a, Place oh, where I tell him. Yeah. So and the in the scene at the set of this is actually in the trailer that my buddy Danny was getting high in. So when you see this footage, it was in the very drink spot that drink. he was at at the epitome of his addiction. So just so Run crazy that we were able to set uh, shoot it there. Fit the fit. I mean, it looks you are in that, that trailer part. Yeah. Am I ever gonna quit? It's yeah. wild. So all the stuff the on the walls and the, uh, with these walls closing in because I can't escape them. I never face him. This Every time Danny I try, right I just fall on my face and back to the abyss where I'm deep in the pits of the person when I'm stressing over me and my kids. And I'm feeling so sick. Think I need another fix. Time to get the syringe. Back to the darkness I live. This is our bro, Cody. Cody Coulter, who uh, is an ex-felon as well. He's in the cover. He's on fire for God. But you guys check this out because they got good music. I mean, if you go on YouTube, you can see how like, uh, I mean, it's the real stuff. Yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, it's 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 the good stuff. I got to ask you because I ask everybody this, Ronnie. Um, I mean, you you've just told us a heck of a story here. Yeah. I mean, at certain points, I didn't think you were going to survive, but you're sitting here, so you I didn't don't. die. Yeah. Um, what do you think is your biggest takeaway through all of it? Yeah. I feel like um, that everybody has like this hole um, or this this lack in their life, and we can fill it with everything in the world that we want. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that anything is going to truly fulfill us like, like uh, having a relationship with God. 
And which is all your whole story. It's my whole story. Like I know I don't want to seem like a preachy guy or whatever, but the only way I can explain it is, but God, two words, like, mm-hmm. like in my testimony, it says that, you know, God butted into my life and I started walking with him and everything changed. Everything that I couldn't be, I became mm-hmm. from homeless to homeowner, from dropout dead last in class, to straight A's at Wash U, from single for 12 years to wife and kids happily married. I mean, like, that's uh, very cool. From like unemployed to business owner, and yeah. you know, it's yeah, it's crazy. It's a, I mean, it's a complete one eighty. When Everywhere. I look at all this stuff and read up on you and and seeing what you're doing, it's just, it just. I guess the thing about it is, is because this show, you know, it's not really a prison show. It's about inspiration. It's about overcoming, yeah. uh, believing in yourself. And each time that you could have, and especially in prison, yeah. You really took a fork in the road and just decided I'm walking away from everything yeah. and get to walk a different direction. But then oh. when you got out, it would have been really easy. Oh my god! Just to yeah. fall back into all the good yep. feeling, like this is home. And and but it's you still there. you yep. stayed on the right path Amen. and and look where you're at, man. Amen. Yeah. And the temptation is very real, and it's still there. Um, it's just. Now that I got a relationship with God and I got a network of people and yeah. I've got a system, you know people, what I mean? People, places, and things, right? It's huge. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It has everything to do with everything. Yeah. So cool. Well, yeah. Ronnie, man, I really appreciate you coming on. I, just before we get out of here, um, mm-hmm. well, the best way to get a hold of you, I guess we can look you up on Link Boys. Yeah, please that's do. Boys with a Z. Yep. Um, All one word. What's the easier way to get a hold of you? Just uh, you're on Instagram, yep. Facebook. Matter of fact, yeah, let me pull my phone out real quick and I'll tell you uh, what my Instagram handle is because I would love to talk to anybody yes, that's struggling. You've got, you've got good stuff. I mean, yeah, you can help yeah. somebody out. I would absolutely love to. So if you slide in my DMs, I'm not one of those guys that want to shy away from it. Like, I love it. Right, you know cool. what I mean? Yep. So let's see here. My uh, tag is my personal tag, which is what I'm going to give you is the letter J seven underscore and then link boys, L I N K B O Y Z. Um, And then our uh, link boys Instagram is just link boys underscore and then one seven. Yep. And then I'm on Facebook too. You can look me up as Ronnie R O N N I E J seven, just spelled out J dash S E V E N uh, Langford. And, uh, yeah, man, hit me up. I'd love to talk cool. to you. I love it because I think you could help people out, and you are helping people out. And I love the fact that you're taking this story of, of your story and it's so genuine and authentic um, back into the prisons because that's what those guys need. They need, to, they need to use and find the tools so when they get out that they know that they can make it out. That's and awesome. That's a good thing. Uh, for those um, – on uh, social media, guys, go to that little thing on uh, Apple Podcasts, the little three things in the corner. Let that drop down. Follow the show. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> leave, absolutely. Leave a, uh, and then it comment. really helps the show. Yeah. And leave a comment. Uh, on. Uh, you can write a review. It's really easy. You just kind of scroll down the page there. Uh, go, go to Spotify. You can hit the bell. It's easy to follow. Love it when you guys get on BrentCassie.com and we talk back and forth. Had had some fun on TikTok the other day uh, with uh, Carlos Rebollo's uh, mm-hmm. uh, episode description. We've got a lot of good good going back and forth. If you're looking for a book out there, I've got one. I wrote one, Nightmare nice. Success. Uh, check it out on uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can get it at Walmart now, so check that out. And um, as I used to say to uh, my people when I was typing my emails back and forth, in prison, stay strong. I'll do the same. 
Ronnie, Langford, man, what a story. What a blessing. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for the invite. Nightmare Success in and out. We'll see you all later.